0: Hi and welcome. We're delighted that you've joined us here at Tell Me Where to Go, where you'll hear travel tales from all over the world designed to inspire, inform, and get you travelling around this wonderful world. Now we are going to Rotorua in New Zealand, which is one of the most fantastic and unique places in the world. And we're speaking to Justin Teho who is a operations manager at the Te which is the most incredible thermal reason just outside the main city of Rotorua. Now, Justin is a member of the Maori peoples. His ancestors go back five generations, 180 years of guiding people around Rotorua. Justin, welcome to tellmewheretogo.com. You really bear all of that family history of this amazing area, don't you?
1: Absolutely, and thank you for your interview. And yes, it's absolute privilege to be part of this incredible history. I go right back to my great-great-grandmother, and she was one of the sort of original guides of the area. When the government licensed our guides, became guide number one. I don't know if that makes me any royalty or anything, but she was the first licensed guide. And her and her sister, in the late part of 1800s, became the famous guides of this area
0: that's just amazing and for people who don't know about Rotorua it is unlike any other place I've been in the world I used to live in New Zealand Justin so I visited there many times but it is just extraordinary it's where like the centre of the earth meets the surface, isn't it, really? Because you have geysers and you have bubbling waters and bubbling mud and all this stuff is coming up from deep below the earth and releasing itself into the atmosphere at Rotorua and around Rotorua, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and that's one of the key things is that in many places of the world where there are geothermal, nobody lives there. My people for over 600 years have lived in and around boiling hot springs, the mud pools, the erupting geysers. And still today, you can come and you'll actually see people have houses right next to boiling pools that can be 30 metres deep. 95 Celsius, 98 Celsius, and water's overflow. We cool that water down and we bathe in it. Because
0: it cools down, because you couldn't bathe in 98-degree water, could you? Well, you could, but you wouldn't have any skin left.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, once upon a time we used to eat our enemies, so, you know, but... uh, (laughs) Now we're mainly just cooking things like sweet corn and freshwater crayfish, just like your yabbies. Yeah, that's right. So Rotorua is a region that has 10 main lakes, and as many of those lakes in the summertime, we can be found fishing for what you'd call a yabby, our coda, our freshwater crayfish.
0: Here in Western Australia, we'd call it a marin.
1: Yeah, you know, like we're lucky we've been growing up around them and, you know, have a real particular taste for them. I had a tour this morning and somebody asked me, oh, which lake do you go and catch them? I had to tell them, well, that's our secret, uh, you know, but you're willing, you're more than welcome to try any of the ten lakes that are
0: here. Your people, the Maori people, have been in that area for many hundreds of years, haven't you? So you would know that like the back of your hand. And I guess the other thing is that because the Maori people have lived there, you would respect that thermal area so much, I would imagine.
1: Absolutely. First and foremost, we're only guardians of the land for our lifetime. And, you know, if we in any way misuse it, we always say Mother Nature will come back to bite us. And so we make sure that everything that we do, that we always, first and foremost, have a look at what we're doing on the land. Once upon a time in the city, there was tapping of the geothermal at such a rate that our people started to notice that some of the geysers, were disappearing, they were becoming dormant and our people lobbied local government, so the local council, they agreed totally that if we didn't stop the tapping and how it was going and make some adjustments, that this could disappear in our lifetime. So from our big geyser, our main geyser, which is the largest geyser in the southern hemisphere, had about... 35, 40 metres on a really yeah. good eruption.
0: That is spectacular when you watch it in action. It is just oh, amazing.
1: It's, and it's the noise yeah.
0: that it makes, isn't it? It's like a jet yeah, aircraft. Yeah.
1: It makes a rumbling which yeah. you know people sort of fear and they think, are we safe? You know, <laughs> the geysers operate at times like a release valve. So around there can be build-ups of pressure and then when those build-ups of pressures happen, normally places will have earthquakes The geysers will play higher and longer. Do they
0: erupt to a particular timetable? Can you predict when they're going to erupt or does it sort of just happen?
1: (laughs) I think one thing we've always told people that, unfortunately, it's not Disneyland where we can press a button and (laughs) it comes up. But generally between 30 and 40 minutes is when an eruption will happen. Right. So the geyser will erupt. And that could take anything from ten to fifteen minutes it might keep splashing for half an hour, yeah. but eventually, once it stops, you know within the next thirty to forty minutes that there's going to be an eruption. But in saying that we 're dealing with mother nature so yeah. There are days where it'll erupt 20 to 40 times in a day, yeah. and there are times where we tell people, oh, just wait here, it won't be long, and we see them an hour later, and they tell us, hey, we haven't seen these guys. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> a real Mother Nature type thing. Don't you just say, look, it's on its lunch break right now? I tell them my name in Māori is is Tiringa Ringa a kahumato so they, they'll never be able to say that. <laughs> 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 now, Rotorua
0: right and Te I have been there. That was many, many years. Years ago, but for a casual visitor like me, it's like being in an alien landscape, it is just the most incredible experience. You see all this bubbling mud, you see these geese erupting, and then you can go to these beautiful mineral pools and they're soaked full of minerals and you can just bathe in these things and you feel so good. It feels like your whole body has been cleansed after you've yeah. bathed,
1: it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like, I'm so lucky being tied to the land here in our village in the time, which is now, it's, um, it's been pretty cold around six degrees it's been hitting and it, it'll get colder but every morning when I come to work I'll go into our village and go for a thermal bath. Yeah. Tonight, when I finish work, I'm actually going for a bath before I go home. When I lived in the village, I'd be on a guided tour. And when we would get down into the village where our hangi cooking vents are, I would actually say, just just a moment, folks. I'm just going into my house to get my pot. I'm (laughs) having a stew. My brother went hunting and got some venison. And I'm having a venison stew. And I would put it in and they would all be amazed. That yeah. I'm cooking my dinner there. Yeah. And then I'd go on a late afternoon tour and I'd say, Well, folks, that pot there is mine. I put that in there around lunchtime. But now I'm gonna put my potatoes, my other veggies. Yeah. And later on tonight we that hot spring is that's the water for our bath. So I'm gonna go for my bath with my <laughs> son yeah. and my wife and then on, on our way home from our bath we'll stop and get our dinner. That's everyday life for us. And this will make makes us unique is that we still do those things. It doesn't cost you a lot
0: to make dinner. There's no power cost is there (laughs) really? We look at it this way. If there's a power
1: cut in Rotorua we still get fed.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now I want to talk about the Maori tradition there because you have an incredible culture. I think everybody in the world knows about the haka but your traditions go back for generations. Now I'm not sure but I think that the Maori people arrived in New Zealand around about the 12th or 13th centuries, I understand. I I could be wrong there. But you have your carvings and your culture is just amazing. What's it like to be a Maori living there and basically reliving this lifestyle that has been around for many hundreds of years?
1: I've grown up in a village where I've lived the culture every day, yeah. guiding people and showcasing what we have. So here at Te we have three schools. We teach wood carving, yep. stone and bone carving, so that's green stone, yeah. whale bone, and what we call onewa or Greywacke, which is quite a, it's a common river boulder or what's big boulders that you see at the right. sea. And then we have a weaving school as well. So we take young men and young women from all over New Zealand. So it's not just for one tribe. It's for people all around New Zealand that are of Māori descent that want to come and learn the traditional arts of our people. And so since 1963 on the site at Te we've been training young men and young women. And your training could take anything from two to three years.
0: That is traditional carving and weaving, etc.
1: Today there are art schools all around New Zealand and many of the people who actually head those art schools graduate from here they're able to use the world as their and use Maori designs whereas here everything is based on traditional carving and weaving yeah. here
0: having been to tapuia many years ago it is one of the things you've got to do when you visit rotorua it is just the most extraordinary place it is like nothing else that I have experienced anywhere else. It's just amazing, isn't it?
1: I know it is totally different to many other businesses because when we guide through the geothermal, I talk about my grandmother's and great-grandmother's generation where they took family groups and we could have a coach load of 30, 40 people and I'm telling them that they guided right out where the geysers are. Because of health and safety now, we keep you back. Right. Um, most of the hot springs and, that are around us are boiling hot. And they love hearing that stories of that, and our actual people. It's been intergenerational. When people find out that I'm a fifth-generation guide, and they say, well, how many of your people been guiding through here? And you say, well, the origins of it start in the 1840s, a long, long time.
0: One of the things about the Maori people is I reckon... Every Maori has got a great singing voice because the music of the Maori and their traditional songs are just wonderful to listen to as well.
1: We grow up where our parents are either singers in bands. Yeah. They would do nighttime concerts and shows when visitors would come and we would have, you know, having sing-alongs or going and performing to groups is sort of second nature to us, especially in Rotorua because we've grown up around that tourism bubble where there'd be night shows, daytime shows. So getting up and singing, we are always act shy, but uh, as soon as the limelight (laughs) is on you, you're up there. Away you go. um, You know, doing the haka, you know, getting up and doing the haka. So I've been in concert groups and through that, I've travelled the world, you know, going to different countries on promotions for New Zealand tourism, talking about the area, talking about the place we come from. And, yeah, that's one thing we love. We love to sing. If we hear a good tune, we'll steal the tune and we'll put our words to the song and, you know, our song and dance is how we told our history. No, how it we is. told about how an event took place. For everybody that sees the all-black haka, kamate, kamate, yep. that tells a story of one of our ancestors, Teroparaha, And it talks about a tribe pursuing him, yep. he being able to escape, and that, titi ra, that last part, you know, in the light of day, sort of, here I am. And so song and dance, carving, was your pictorial history. So we carve our ancestors, but we can't copy like how Michelangelo had sculptures. Nah. We have our carvings are defined. They look unhuman. They have their big tongue sticking yeah. out, those big bulging eyes like yeah. when you do the hucker, saying, yeah. you know, I'm going to rip your head off, I'm going to eat you. We're lucky and we're lucky where we are here at Te because for generations we've been able to tell those stories and to
0: showcase the song and dance and the carvings. Justin Teho from <laughs> Te Puia in Rotorua, New Zealand. I really enjoyed chatting to you because it's such a distinct area. It is worth going to visit. It is a must-see when you visit Rotorua, and Rotorua is absolutely, like you say, there's 10 lakes here and there's mountains. It's just the most fantastic place, and you have brought that alive to us, Justin. Thank you very much for speaking to me. I do heartily recommend that if you go to New Zealand, you've got to go to Rotorua, and you've got to go to Turpuya. And look, just ask for Justin and say that Steve sent you, and Justin, you'll look after him, won't you? You.
1: I certainly will Steve it would be my honor and my privilege and I will definitely do that thanks Steve you have a wonderful day namahiki akui
0: thanks for listening don't forget to check back on our website for other stories specialists funny travel tales and anything else you might need to plan and safely enjoy your next trip we look forward to hearing you back again soon